This is Downtown Lowdown with Downtown Halifax Business Commission. Welcome to episode 35 of Downtown Lowdown with Downtown Halifax Business Commission, recorded on October 15, 2020. This is where you can find out all you need or want to know about Downtown Halifax. I'm Alana McDonald-Mills, Director of Marketing. And I'm Ivy Ho, Director of Communications. We are your hosts for Downtown Lowdown. We'll be giving you the lowdown on what's new in business, events, and issues that affect downtown. We also talk to key individuals that help to make downtown Halifax better. We have another great episode of Downtown Lowdown. Paul McKinnon, CEO of Downtown Halifax Business Commission, is back and has some updates for us on some of the federal economic relief programs. Ivy has an update on how to safely celebrate Halloween this year. And on BizBuzz, we have some business updates and milestones. We'll tell you what events are coming up in downtown Halifax. And we have a quick overview of Develop Nova Scotia's Evergreen Festival. But first, Elena will be interviewing Janea Cameron, Senior Director, Event Operations with Halifax Convention Centre and Scotiabank Centre. Janea will be telling us how the COVID pandemic affected the Scotiabank Centre, the logistics of reopening, and what the next few months could hold for the centre. The Scotiabank Centre is the largest multi-purpose facility in Atlantic Canada and is the hub for major events in Nova Scotia. The centre serves as the region's premier venue for sports and entertainment and is home to the Halifax Mooseheads Major Junior Hockey Club, the Halifax Hurricanes basketball team, the Halifax Thunderbirds professional lacrosse team and the Royal Nova Scotia International Tattoo. The centre has also hosted well-known international acts and celebrities including Barack Obama, Cirque du Soleil, Coldplay, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Brian Adams, and more. In March of 2020, the Scotiabank Centre was closed because of the COVID-19 pandemic and only recently reopened on October 3rd to host the home opener of the Halifax Mooseheads hockey season. Today on Downtown Lowdown, we are welcoming Janea Cameron, Senior Director, Events Operations with the Halifax Convention Centre and Scotiabank Centre. Janea oversees the event planning and operating teams of both centres and was tasked with ensuring that both centres deliver safe event experiences. Janea will be telling us how the COVID-19 pandemic affected the Scotiabank Centre, the logistics of reopening, and what the next few months could hold for the centre. Welcome to Downtown Lowdown, Janea. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Can you take us back to early March of this year and the initial closure of the Scotiabank Centre? What was that experience like? It was certainly uh, uh, an experience I had never been through before, but uh, oddly enough, we were in the middle of hosting an event, and so it was the Youth Sport uh, University that's, that's Cup. That's right, yes. And uh, so that happened, that was scheduled to happen over the weekend of March 12th to 15th, and so really in the middle of that, uh, there were provincial mm-hmm. uh, regulations regarding gathering limits that really meant our facility had to close. And so we actually ended up closing in the middle of the tournament. And so I guess you could say that decision to, to close was actually made for us. Yes. Um, you know, by virtue of not being able to host events, we weren't able to be open any longer. Right. And what had to go into not only cancelling, postponing all the events, but the actual closing of the centre? Um, once again, it was it was very overwhelming mm-hmm. and uh, something none of us had really been through before. There were a lot of considerations mm-hmm. that we took into account, but but the one thing I look back on, and I think we did it right, we really put our staff first and mm-hmm. foremost in that situation and really focused on how do we take care of our staff in a situation that none of us had really been through before. Uh, we wanted to make sure we maintained an open line of communication with them, but things were changing so very mm-hmm. quickly, and it really didn't stop uh, in the weeks to follow, and uh, it was it was definitely a learning and a bit of an overwhelming experience. I can only imagine. 
So what went into reopening the Scotiabank Centre? How was the reopening strategy developed and then implemented? You know, our team is extremely passionate. We love what we do. We're at our best when we're delivering. Mm -hmm. And so I guess over the course of, you know, a few months and then leading into the summer, you could almost sense a, a change in, mm-hmm. in, in people and, and, you know, people were missing those connections that they were used to. Uh, and of course, we wanted to see people back in the downtown. Right. Um, we were coming to work every day and seeing the streets that, you know, weren't as full as they used to be. And, uh, and we wanted to see people back downtown. So part of that experience and seeing people downtown is, is really around live events. And of course, that's what we're, that's what we're in the business of, of doing. Mm-hmm. And so we knew in order to be able to do that, we had to be able to do it in a safe way. So we also had to work really closely with our tenant, the Mooseheads. And of course, they had to seek approval from their league to resume the season. And once that all went into motion, we really spent uh, a, an enormous amount of time uh, over weeks developing a plan with them that would allow us to host those games in a mm-hmm. safe way, uh, but still experience or have that great experience for fans uh, and being able to deliver that live experience in the mm-hmm. way that, that folks wanted to see it. I think one of the other pieces uh, is that we needed to make, ensure that we um, included all of those critical public health components. Right. And so things like masks and distancing and hygiene measures, Mm -hmm. dedicated amenities. So it really, we were forced to look at our business in a whole new light and really figure out how we were going to be able to deliver not only a safe environment, but something that it, you know, the experience was still there. Right. We're, we're very passionate about that experience, and we really wanted to try to maintain that in every every way that we could. And so that was some of the uh, the work that went into it. Of course, we were liaising with public health mm-hmm. uh, on a very regular basis. And I think there was a level of trust that was developed over the course of those conversations and the work that we did. Mm-hmm. We take the privilege of being able to be open very, very seriously. And right. it's interesting being on uh, calls with colleagues across the country you know, we're one of the only um, cities and, and regions that are able to host live events right now. And right. it's really fascinating mm-hmm. to be able to do it. But with that comes a sense of responsibility that we have to do it in a safe way and take it seriously. You know, at the end of the day, I think we saw with the first game that we hosted and then again the second one, we saw people are following the rules. People right. are listening and they, they want this. They want to be back downtown. They want to be collaborating. Mm-hmm. They want to be connecting. And we're happy to play a part in that. So it's kind of neat that you're setting the precedent, I guess, for the other centers to open, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we've even seen over the course of the last, you know, week or so, um, some of our colleagues in other parts of the country just are not able to do this. So, you know, the difference that the first two games that we've hosted have made, I think, mm-hmm. to the vibrancy of downtown has been absolutely incredible. And we want to keep that going. So, yeah, that's yeah. great. So tell us about that reopening night, the Halifax Mooseheads home opener. What was that night like for both the staff and crew at the center, but for fans? It was, it was, it was, so I'll kind of, I guess, start from the, the mm-hmm. backside, um, the, you know, the, the staff and the crew. We spent hours and hours and long days and nights and weekends planning for what this could be and, you know, trying to anticipate what it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And really, there was just this sense of anticipation and really kind of unknown. I mean, mm-hmm. we've been doing this for a really long time. And all of a sudden, we're in this situation where it feels like we've, we're doing it for the first time. And so I think we were all really nervous. Um, but at the end of the day, what actually unfolded, we had 
this great group of fans that that came to the game and you know they all they all did what they were supposed to do mm-hmm. a lot of them had been a lot of them had been season ticket holders and and had been there regularly so it was definitely different for them but we had a lot of people on hand to really once again drive that experience so um, you know, visually having um, people to help and direct right. and help them understand what was different and what they needed to know and, and gentle reminders and things like that that really, I think, made a difference for the fan experience. But then also operationally, we learned a lot on the first night and then we made some tweaks for the second mm-hmm. night. And now we're about to go into our third and fourth nights uh, this weekend. We've got games on Friday and Saturday and, uh, and you know, we're continuing to tweak to really ensure we remain safe, but also deliver this incredible experience right. that people are just, they're craving and they want it and they're showing up for it. So That's so great. So are there any other events planned other than the Mooseheads Hockey over the next few months? Yeah, so I mean, what we're doing right now is we are in the process of working um, with our other tenants, so specifically the Thunderbirds mm-hmm. and the Hurricanes on what their plans are. Right. Uh, and so there's a few things that are kind of happening there. I think one of the biggest things is the both of their leagues need to make those decisions to move mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. And so should that happen, and hopefully it does uh, sooner than later, we would obviously work with them in the same kind of similar fashion on how we would deliver. Um, obviously, they're very different styles of events, but mm-hmm. definitely working uh, working through that with them and and we look forward to doing that. Um, We do have a few events that are booked into 2021 and we're continuing to have those active conversations about what that might look and feel like. And then I would say, you know, the one thing to kind of remember is Atlantic Canada is in a bit of a I guess a sweet spot in a unique situation right. whereby, you know, we feel safe, the numbers are low as it relates to uh, to cases, um, but some of these events that may be interested in coming, they typically do a, a cross-country uh, component. Right. So it sounds, you know, pretty straightforward, but actually mm-hmm. when you think about the logistics of it all, it's a little more complicated, but mm-hmm. uh, but we're, we're definitely looking forward to what those conversations will bring. Right. Yeah. So that means that event prom- promoters are reaching out to the center. Again. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We're just continuing those conversations mm-hmm. and uh, and seeing, seeing where everything can land. Yeah, so. that's great. Yeah. So is there a plan in place for the center if cases were to rise again and a second closure is mandated? And were there any lessons learned from the first closure that you'd apply this time around? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, obviously we hope that, you know, we're not in that position mm-hmm. again, but, you know, there's definitely lessons learned uh, from the first time around that we would certainly apply. And one of the things I mentioned earlier was really around the employee considerations. Right. And, um, you know, it's a really tough thing to be going through. And, and I think having obviously a mind for the business, but certainly a concern for our employees and, and how we can support them through mm-hmm. a situation like this uh, was definitely something that we would we would continue to do and we would do again should we be in the position. But definitely as it relates to more kind of operational lessons um, that were learned from the first time around, you know, looking at this zone philosophy that's been created whereby, you know, you've got things in, in control as it relates to being able to contact trace if cases were to ever um, mm-hmm. arise. So it's, it's a it's a it's a, a solid uh, position that supports the contract t- contact tracing uh, piece. You know, I think we would just continue to monitor um, public health and, and take right. leads from, from them. But as it relates to individuals um, who, you know, are, 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 are coming to the centre, people want to follow the rules. So people are listening, they're reading, they're, they're staying updated. So we're really right. hopeful that we're not in that position again, mm-hmm. but certainly looking at a few of the things that we've learned this time around, we would implement, um, implement again in that in situation. So, mm-hmm. okay. So in your words, how vital do you think that the Scotiabank Centre is to not only downtown Halifax, but for the, for the region? I, I think, you know, when I thought about, um, 
you know, the, the question that, uh, yeah. that you so kindly sent to me um, in advance. Uh, you know, it, it's what I would say is I think the community has actually proven that they think we're vital, which is mm-hmm. really important to us. People are coming to games. Mm-hmm. There's fan support. There's engagement. I think by what we're seeing, um, with, you know, two sold out games under our belt and, and two more to come. Scotiabank Centre is valued by the community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, 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 we play such a role in the vibrancy, the energy, and driving people downtown. Like, it was right. really yeah. fascinating to see the streets alive. You know, we've all been downtown and, and you know, certainly through some of the, cl- the closure periods where we just, this wasn't the Halifax that we know, and it's, it's the vibrancy mm-hmm. was just missing. And now there is a glimmer that it's coming back, and we take that responsibility seriously. Mm-hmm. We play a, a critical part in that, and, uh, and we want to do everything that we can to keep bringing people downtown. What I would also say is, you know, we certainly, in our business, it's, it's ingrained in us, and I think that we're passionate about what we do. And, and, and seeing people downtown, seeing people come to events, being able to deliver events, being mm-hmm. able to deliver safely, that's what gets us up in the morning, and that's what keeps us going. So we're looking forward to, to continuing that as long as we can. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, anything else you'd like to add? We yeah. take a, we take an enormous um, amount of uh, pleasure and and mm-hmm. and take the responsibility seriously, and and uh, we're just we're so happy to be doing what we're doing right now, and uh, looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, continuing yeah, in the future. It's great to have the center open again. Oh, yeah. so fantastic. Well, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. Janea Cameron is the senior director, event operations with the Halifax Convention Center and Scotia Bank Center. You can learn more about the Scotia Bank Center, their welcome back protocols upcoming events, and more by visiting scotiabank-center.com. Or you can follow at Scotiabank Center on Instagram and at Scotiabank CTR on Facebook and Twitter. So we have Paul McKinnon, CEO of Downtown Halifax Business Commission, here with us now, and he's going to update us on some of the federal economic relief programs. So, Paul, take it away. Well, it's good to be back. Uh, I come bearing good news. Um, I want to talk, uh, first of all, about uh, about rents. So uh, as we recall, going back, uh, initially there was no rent support, and this was a, a big advocacy piece for, for Downtown Halifax Business Commission, as well as a lot of other uh, bids across the country and a lot of other organizations, Chambers of Commerce, Canadian Federation of Independent Business, uh, to create a rent program. So we did a lot of lobbying with the federal government uh, for them to do that. They finally did. That was the CICRA. Uh, some people call it KECRA, but I prefer the CICRA. Uh, the soft sea yeah, I've only reason. heard it as Secra, but anyway. <laughs> oh, I've, no, I've heard Kekra at times oh, before, yeah, and you? I didn't know what they were talking about. But anyway, it, it was the, I believe, the Canadian Emergency Commercial Rent Assistance Fund, um, and this was the, it was, a, it was a little bit complicated, and um, and the the fund could be had to be accessed by landlords. They were the ones that, that had to initiate the process, and so you know we were we were quite pleased when that program was rolled out uh, back in the spring. Um, but across Canada, what really was found with that program was it just simply wasn't being taken up uh, as much as it should. I think a lot of, I mean, lots of tenants wanted to, uh, to take advantage of it, and, and you know, there, there certainly were landlords that did, um, but, um, but there was a lot of money left in the fund when the program was, was coming to an end, uh, and they simply had had, a, um, you know, far fewer uh, organizations or landlords take it up. So, you know, I would say probably around late summer, there was kind of a second round of, of advocacy and lobbying uh, really to, to encourage the government to make a, a significant change to that program. Uh, you know, we had we'd embraced it when it came out, where, you know, thought it would work well, but obviously it just didn't. 
Um, and so that was the um, that was the call to the government was you know find a way to fix it. And I think the, um, what most organizations rallied around was you know if the money could get directly into the hands of the tenants, that was probably the cleanest way. That's actually what the landlords preferred. That's what the tenants preferred. Um, and so um, the, the government has done that. They've they've made that that switch, taken that feedback, and uh, and incorporated that into a new program. So there's a revamped program with a slightly new name. Uh, this is the going to be called the Canada Emergency Rent Subsidy, the CURS, or perhaps the SERS. I don't know what we'll call it. But anyway, it's uh, essentially um, uh, the program has been revamped uh, in a number of different ways. So the, the big change is it will be available uh, directly for tenants to apply for it. Uh, it will be backdated. The program isn't out yet. You can't you can't apply yet, uh, but it will date back uh, to uh, end of September. Or September 27th is when you can um, you can start applying for you can you can backdate and, and apply for it as of that point in time. So and, the details uh, aren't out yet. It's just uh, the government of Canada kind of announced the intention for this. Uh, they, they've released some details, but the program you can't apply for the program that's yet. Right, yeah. uh, that's right. Um, the other big change is there's a, there's going to be a sliding scale. Um, so in, before it was kind of a it was a the rent was being shared by by the landlord and, and, and by the tenant. In this case, it's uh, it's up to a maximum of 65 percent, and it is based uh, uh, upon how the business is doing and how much how much money they need. So they can get a maximum of 65 percent. The exception to that is there. Is an additional 25% top up uh, if you're a business or in an industry that's been ordered to close. So if we think back to when you know bars and restaurants were ordered to close early on, if if, uh, if you were to fall into that category, then you could get uh, the 65% uh, likely plus the 25%. So details of the, how the sliding scale exactly will work um, have not yet been released as well. Uh, but but those are all coming. So it is a, it is a change in the program. Uh, but for us, the the big improvement is that uh, is that tenants uh, can apply directly. So uh, we do expect uh, that will be more successful. So that's the main uh, the main new program, but there's a couple of other um, uh, pieces of information that were rolled out at the same time. So the the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy uh, has been extended, and again, this is this is huge news. The uh, the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy has been a very successful program, uh, has kept uh, a number of businesses going uh, through this entire uh, period of time. So I think there was certainly for the business community pretty unanimous consent, and, and not just I shouldn't say not just the business community, uh, really anyone that's uh, that's trying to keep their organization going and, and having to pay uh, employees. Uh, so that program is going to be extended through till. June 2021. And of course, there may be a possible future extension, but at least until now, we know that's in place uh, until next spring. And then finally, the Canada Emergency Business Account, or SEBA program, uh, which really was, was a loan program uh, where organizations could, could borrow up to $40,000, um, uh, which was paid back on, on fairly favorable terms, um, that has been extended as well. So essentially, as far as I understand, that program is exactly the same. It's just that you can, you can borrow additional money. So originally, the program was, uh, was a loan of up to $40,000. It had fairly favorable um, interest in, in, in terms, of, terms of paying it back. Um, and there's, a, there's going to be a top up for that program of an additional twenty thousand uh, dollars on top of the original forty, so that application has been uh, extended to December thirty first. Um, so all these programs, the uh, like the government likes to do, they've been announced but not officially launched yet. Um, and I think Ivy is going to tell you a little bit more about um, how to keep on top of those programs. Yeah, so that, uh, those t- updates have been announced in a, a media release uh, on the Government of Canada website. So you can access that news release at uh, Canada.ca, Department of Finance, under News. Uh, so I'm sure more details will come and uh, details on how to apply for these programs and, and extensions. So, uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to stay tuned for that. Okay, thanks, Paul. Great, thank you. We were talking to Paul McKinnon, CEO of Downtown Halifax Business Commission. He gave us updates on several federal economic relief programs. As always, Downtown Halifax Business Commission strives to provide the latest COVID-19-related information as the province revises restrictions. 
DHBC continues to follow the directives of the Nova Scotia Health Authority. Check DHBC's main COVID resource page for businesses and for the public at downtownhalifax.ca slash COVID-19. The Nova Scotian government is reminding the public of current public health guidelines and providing specific advice around Halloween as the holiday approaches. Here are some guidelines and tips for Halloween celebrations. Adhere to the gathering limits and celebrate with family and friends from your consistent group of 10. People can continue to gather in close social groups of up to 10 without physical distancing. If attending a party or an event at a home, the gathering limit is 10. If attending a community event, 50 people with physical distancing is the maximum both indoors and outdoors. A physical distance of 2 meters or 6 feet must always be maintained from people outside of your close social group of 10. If attending an event held by a recognized business, 50% of the venue's capacity up to 200 people maximum is permitted indoors or 250 outdoors. A physical distance of 2 meters or 6 feet must always be maintained from people outside of your close social group of 10. Requirements for wearing masks in indoor public places need to be followed. Don't replace your non-medical mask with a Halloween costume mask. Most Halloween masks that cover the whole face have holes for breathing. While this type of mask is fine to wear outdoors or in your home, it is not a non-medical mask that fits snugly and protects others. Practice good hand washing, cough, sneeze, etiquette, and regular cleaning of common surfaces. Only serve food and drinks if physical distancing and good hygiene practices are being followed. If you do choose to offer food, it should be either serve yourself from pre-served single servings or a single person designated to serve food and beverages. Now is not the time to be sharing food or drinks or using common serving cutlery. For full guidelines for households and trick-or-treating, see the Nova Scotia Health Authority website at novascotia.ca slash coronavirus slash alerts dash notices. And now for BizBuzz. And once again, it's time for BizBuzz. Tori McLeod, our Marketing and Communications Coordinator, is here with me along with Ivy. Hi, Tori and Ivy. Thanks for joining me. Hi. Hi. We have another exciting BizBuzz segment. Tori has a rundown of business milestones and updates. I have a rundown of upcoming events in downtown Halifax, including Burger Week, and I'm going to give a quick overview of Develop Nova Scotia's upcoming Evergreen Festival. So, Tori, let's start with you. What updates do you have for us this episode? The Economy Shoe Shop opened the basement on October 8th. The basement is located at 1665 Argyle Street, downstairs from the Economy Shoe Shop, and is a place to enjoy live music, drinks, and time with friends. The Brown Hound opened a new location at 1459 Hollis Street. Pop in for some bites, pints, and a whole lot of cheers. The Turret Art Space at 1880 Hollis Street has launched a GoFundMe in hopes to raise $100,000 by November 30th for future funding of the organization's projects. You can learn more on their website at turretartspace.ca. For Small Business Week this year, the Halifax Chamber of Commerce has put together webinars with topics to help small businesses in Halifax. Check out their schedule and webinar topics on their website at business.halifaxchamber.ca slash events slash smallbusinessweek. Great. Thanks, Tori. So let's talk events. Here are some upcoming events in downtown Halifax. Look forward to First, Burger Week is back. I'm sure most people have heard this news by now, but Burger Week Halifax, put on by the coast, is back and is running from October 22nd to 31st. There are approximately 45-plus restaurants and pubs taking part in the downtown Halifax area alone, so there are many different burger options to try. Ivy and Tori, have you guys checked out the lineup of burgers? Any that stand out to you that you'd like to try? 
Yeah, I looked through the, the list, and um, being a vegetarian that eats seafood, so I know the selection is a little bit limited for, you know, the, the non-beef pork uh, selection for, for mm-hmm. Burger Week, um, because I know it's it's pandemic. It's, it has affected everything, even the timing of Burger Week. But I did find a couple of interesting mm-hmm. ones that I am definitely going to try out. So the, the first one is the Bean Cumin Sliders at the Ville Caffeine Bar at 5146 Sackville Street. So that's a black bean cumin spice slider um, served with uh, vegan sesame seed buns and topped with crispy red cabbage and smothered in a spicy peanut butter sauce. Oh, my gosh. That sounds really good, yeah. <laughs> and it's served with tortilla chips, so I'm definitely going to check that out. And the other one is the Frying Nemo, which is, I don't know, a little bit disturbing <laughs> sounding, but <laughs> very intriguing, uh, at Shuck Seafood Raw Bar at 5120 Salter Street. So that's a panko-encrusted uh, haddock, ginger scallion slaw, sriracha bacon, which I'm going to ask for them to hold, and hopefully they will for me, um, and uh, garlic aioli on a brioche bun. So th- definitely yeah, that's going to check great. that out. What about you, Tori? Last year, I didn't get the chance to try the stubborn goat jalapeno popper mac and cheese burger. Ooh, that so on the good. first day, that's where I'll be headed, and it's only $13. So sounds great. really good little deal, um, and it looks so good. Yeah. So I love dill pickles and the bitter end has the big dill burger for $16. That looks really good. I think it's like a chicken with some dill pickles on it. And the press gang has a burger called poutine on the fritz. It's a bit more pricey at $25, but it is a Wagyu beef burger with cheese curds, bacon, fritz, and more. And it looks really, really good. Yeah. I'm wondering if burger week is actually going to turn me back into a meat eater. Yeah, you might have to. You might have to come over to our side again. After 20, 20 some years of being a vegetarian, this yeah. might be my downfall. Fall. Yeah, <laughs> I've only had Wagyu, and I think I hope I'm saying that right. Is that I think Wagyu. It's Wagyu yeah. yeah, at uh, we had it at Cut um, a couple years ago, and it is really, really good. I mean, it, it is a special so occasion good. type of meat. Yeah, that is yeah. like high end. Yeah, it's high, really end high end steak. Yeah. Yeah. So more information on Burger Week, visit BurgerWeek.co. So, so for some other events, Murphy's on the Water and Ambassadors has a few ghost ship sales on the Tall Ship Silva just in time for Halloween. You can enjoy a family-friendly ghost ship sale on the Tall Ship Silva on October 24th, 25th, and 31st at 2 p.m. Or there's a 19-plus ghost ship sale on the Tall Ship Silva running in the evenings from October 24th to October 31st. Check out ambassadors.com slash experiences for more information and for information on their other fall tours, including the Wine Enthusiast Tour, the Fall Color Sale, and more. The Halifax Citadel National Historic Site is running ghost tours of the Halifax Citadel on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday evenings until October 30th. During these tours, a period uniformed guide will recount ghost stories and tales of the unexplained as you tour the grounds of the Citadel in the dark, guided only by lantern light, which sounds very spooky. For more information, follow at Halifax Citadel on Instagram. And the Carlton has a whole slew of shows coming up. There's one in particular that I'd like to mention that is taking place on October 31st. It is Halloween House of Rivers and the Carlton Killer. This is taking place from 7 to 9 p.m. So if you're looking for something to do on Halloween, that looks like a fun show that you can check out. Visit thecarlton.ca for more information and to see their full schedule of events. And finally, Downtown Halifax Live is a new virtual concert series by Downtown Halifax Business Commission in partnership with Music Nova Scotia and Spider Video. You can watch the shows in person or you can live stream them from the comfort of your own home on Downtown Halifax's Facebook and YouTube channels. The next show coming up is taking place on November 7th at the Carlton. The Tevin Tynes trio is playing from 8 to 11.30 p.m. 
or you can watch the live stream from 8 to 9 p.m. Visit downtownhalifax.ca slash live for more information and links for the live streaming. And you can see these and more events and promotions on our online events and promotions calendar at downtownhalifax.ca slash events. And if you're a business or an event organizer planning or hosting an event in downtown Halifax, email the information to us at info at downtownhalifax.ca and we'll add it to our calendar. So next up, let's talk holidays. Develop Nova Scotia along with partners that include Discover Halifax, Tourism Nova Scotia, Spring Garden Area Business Association, and Downtown Halifax Business Commission is curating a new festival called the Evergreen Festival. Inspired by European-style holiday markets, this festival is scheduled to run from November 28th to December 21st, 2020. It will be dispersed throughout the waterfront, downtown, and Spring Garden area. And it will be a multi-week outdoor experience celebrating Nova Scotia's culture, food, spirits, craft, art, music, performance, and more. There will be lots of opportunities for businesses to get involved in this festival. For more information, you can follow at EvergreenFestNS on Twitter and Instagram, or you can visit developns.ca slash events slash evergreen dash festival. And as part of the Evergreen Festival, downtown Halifax is participating in Spring Garden Road's Shopping Under the Stars, which is a two-night holiday shopping festival. This year, Shopping Under the Stars takes place on November 27th and December 4th from 5 to 10 p.m., All downtown Halifax businesses are invited to participate. And as part of this promotion, the pay-by-plate parking lots along the waterfront will be free both of those nights. So hopefully that will help entice shoppers out. For more information and to register, email me, alana at downtownhalifax.ca. And finally, before we sign off, let's talk downtown Halifax experiences. Let's start with you, Ivy. Anything you've been up to lately? Yeah, I went to a few places uh, this past week, and uh, the first place was the Kihong uh, Cantonese Bakery. I went there for uh, the Harvest Festival, so I wanted to get some mooncakes and mm-hmm. try to like them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, You've mentioned I'm, that a couple times, you don't love mooncakes. I'm a really bad Asian, and I do not <laughs> like mooncakes, but I keep trying to like mooncakes every year. But thankfully, I did buy some other pastries uh, mm-hmm. that I really did enjoy. So, yeah, the bakery is great. You can have mm-hmm. lunch there, um, or you can just pick up some pastries. Uh, they have dumplings and dim sum and wonton soup, and it's just really nice comfort food. Like, it does look like it's nice. It's yeah. really nice, yeah. So they do, check it out. And they do dine-in mm-hmm. and pick up and uh, deliver. I think they do deliver. Yes, they do del- do delivery as well. So that was a really good experience. Yeah, that sounds and great. Some yummy food. Um, and maybe other people like mooncakes, mm-hmm. and I do encourage that. But for <laughs> me, not so much. Anyway, <laughs> it's an acquired taste, yeah. I guess. Um, I went to Star Anise as well and did some takeout. I mm. got some vermicelli, tofu, and spring Their stuff is combo. always good. Yeah, yeah. really good. Uh, really good lunch deals as well. And some takeout from Bird's Nest, you know, the soup and sandwich. Mm. It was on that really rainy day. Mm-hmm. So it was just like the perfect mm-hmm. kind of like. Nice and hot. Oh, yeah. It was mm-hmm. definitely comfort food on a rainy day. So, yeah. That's great. What about you, Tori? The other night I went to Henry House. Mm-hmm. Um, we went downstairs into the pub and we just had some appetizers and some drinks. It was really nice down there, a really homey feel. Mm-hmm. I've never been there before. so I love the Henry really House. Nice. I love that type of pub. It's so yeah. nice. I love that. It's very homey. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then I've been walking up to the black market almost every day after work. They got a new shipment in from India, so they have a bunch of new stuff popping up on the shelves every day. 
That's great. Yes, yeah, so I was uh, walking by the black market the other day, and there was a lineup to get mm-hmm. in. So ten people waiting to get in. Yeah, so, that's yeah. a great place just for like small things. Yeah, you know, like you, like, like if jewelry you're, and yeah. yeah. And if you're t- thinking about the holiday shopping, like that's mm-hmm. that's a great place to start. Well, and they yeah. have the comfiest clothes yeah. that I've ever found, <laughs> and yeah. they're so nice. And then they have so much jewelry for your mom or your girlfriend. And or it's whatever. affordable, too. Mm-hmm. It's right? so yeah. affordable. So affordable. I'll have to check it out. I haven't been there in a while. Same here. So last week I went to Verano's. Uh, so Verano Food Purveyors is down in the Waterside RBC Center, the new water for, Waterside RBC Center, which is on Hollis and Duke. And it is such good food. It's like South American type food, like empanadas and tacos and also just some really r- yummy sandwiches. I always get the chicken tinga empanadas and they are so Yum. good. <laughs> The first time I got them, I made them steaks. I saved one. I ate one, and then I saved one and took it home, and then my daughter ate it. And <laughs> oh, I was no. like, I will never oh, no. make that mistake again. <laughs> Should have so, put your name on I it. I know. So the last time I, last time I got it, I ate both of them. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I was so full. Yeah, Tori, if you put your name on it, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't kids. matter. With kids, they don't <laughs> care. Everything they'll just eat it. It's yours. It's theirs. <laughs> So, but it's, they're so good. The food is so fresh. It's run by a couple, and I think it's one of their dads that works with them. And it is just such a nice, nice place to go. Their food is yummy and fresh. They make everything homemade. If you follow them on Instagram, um, you can see them making some of their stuff sometimes. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely recommend going there. And Verano was actually um, past winners of the chili cook-off. That's right. They won. Did they? They won two years, I think. I think they yeah. did. Yeah. yeah. They won best chili one year, and then last year I think they won chili, or the year before last year they won chili and. And, or sorry, veggie, veggie and meat. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then every Saturday since uh, I guess the second week in September, my daughter's dance at Halifax Dance, and um, they're redoing the front of the Maritime Center. So even though it's chaotic and loud, and you're walking around pylons and noise, um, Halifax Dance is sort of a nice little quiet oasis in that building. And I draw my daughters off at the door. They go have their dance lesson. Um, and uh, last week we went to, um, after dance, we went up to Sicilian Pizza, had some pizza, haven't had pizza from Sicilian in a long time. It was great. Then we sat in Grafton, the Grafton Park, which is oh. the park outside of the library and nice. had our pizza and it was a nice day. And I don't know how many more of those days we'll have that you can actually sit on the grass and enjoy mm-hmm. something to eat, but it was just, it was a nice day. Yeah, you can enjoy them while you can. Exactly. Yeah. And I never think of that little park area, but yeah. it was just really nice to sit there and they have some benches and... Um, there were some people walking by, and yeah, it was just kind of a nice day. Yeah, so that was uh, some. There's lots of things to do every every week. There's something new to do in downtown Halifax, right? Right, right. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and that's it for BizBuzz this week. Thanks for joining me. This concludes Downtown Lowdown episode 35, recorded on October 15th, 2020. For more information, visit downtownhalifax.ca/podcast. Please rate and subscribe to Downtown Lowdown, and don't forget to follow at Downtown Halifax on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening.